We all want to feel peace in our lives, peace in our choices, our beliefs, our relationships, and our environment. I've learned that this desired contentment is often found through holding on to less. When we pare down what we own, what we consume, and what we value, we're left with what's intentional, a personalized curation of what is important and true and useful to us. I'm Shannon Laco, and you're listening to Paring Down, a podcast aimed at helping you declutter not only your home, but any area of your life that's overwhelming. Here, we're having interesting and honest conversations about the physical and mental clutter that drowns out what truly matters to each of us. And together, we'll learn how to pare it all down, not for the sake of perfection or becoming rigid, rather so we can move through life with less overwhelm and more joy, wisdom, and peace. You're here! It's the very first episode of the Paring Down podcast. I am so grateful that you decided to tune in today. Thank you so much. I've been having so much fun rolling out this podcast slowly but surely via my Instagram account at Paring Down Podcast. All the fun reels and just the support from this community has been truly incredible. It makes my heart sing. All right. See, I'm already embarrassing. Why did why did anyone give me a microphone? Actually, no one gave it to me. I gave it to myself, people. But here we are. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Our very first episode today, I thought a great place to start would be to talk to a professional in the industry, in the organizing and decluttering world, who can really share with us some things we're doing wrong as we try and tackle this big task of decluttering our home on our own, as well as give us some tips of what we can start doing right. So today we're going to talk to Maitland Pacera. Maitland worked as an elementary school teacher for five years before founding Minimized, a professional organizing company in 2017. After starting off as a one-woman service, connecting with clients on social media and working one-on-one to help them declutter and organize their homes, Minimized now has a team of organizers and has worked in over 700 homes and businesses in the Charlotte area. They offer hands-on services for clients who want that fast and full-service transformation, as well as virtual organizing plans for those who just need a little guidance. Maitland has been doing this for a long time. She has seen it all. She knows what works. She knows what doesn't. And I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. So let's dive in. Maitland, I'm so, so happy to have you here. Uh, I just gave everybody a little high level about who you are, what your business is, but I'd love to hear from you just about your life and how you got into organizing and just your own background. My life, that's a lot. But, <laughs> uh, um, but I, I started as a teacher. That was where my, my career started. I taught elementary school, um, made it five years, which is like most teachers cut off point. You either, you either make it past or you're done that five years. Uh, I unfortunately was done. Um, but it really was what pushed me into doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, I have always been a very minimal person. I will not say I have always been an organized person. I still am not naturally an organized person, which blows some people's minds. But um, I've, I've always been a minimal, minimalish person. Um, and especially in college, like seeing how much stuff other people had, I was like, why? Why, why do you need all of this? Um, so even then I would like help friends go through their closet and sell, you know, sell stuff on Poshmark and things like that. Um, and then once I started teaching, that's when it really hit me, just the effect of clutter. 
I, I was a new teacher. I came into a classroom that a retired teacher had left and she left everything. Um, and I started just trashing things and other teachers were coming in and were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. Um, but I was like, some of these things are workbooks from the nineties. Like we don't, we don't need this, you know, like it was just stuff from when she had started teaching and especially teachers are people that are like, we need to hold on to everything because we might be able to use it. Um, but once I cleared out my classroom, I had other teachers being like, can you come look at my classroom <laughs> and tell me maybe what I should do? Um, and I started, I started reading a lot about the effect of the environment on the students. And a lot of teachers think about flexible seating and things like that, but there's also the clutter. And you want students to know where things are. Even when I was teaching first grade, I wanted them to have that, that ownership of the classroom, to know where to go get things, to know where things were. It's important. It's a huge part of their learning. Um, and so seeing other classrooms where there were just like papers scattered all over the table and just stuff this and there, like it just, it overwhelmed me. And so I thought, you know, think about how overwhelmed these kids are. And that's what kind of pushed me over into thinking about the mental health side of, or staying organized in general. Um, like I said, I've always been pretty minimal, but I have not always been very organized. And I am someone who, while I haven't been diagnosed with depression or anything, I, I fall into pits. And when I fall into a pit, my house is a mess. Um, and so it, it, I've, I learned that keeping up those habits and having a place for everything to go makes my life so much easier when I do fall into that. Because even though things might pile up, I know exactly where they go. I have a place for them. I have a solution because it can become a cycle. You know, your house is a mess. Your brain is a mess. Um, and so that's where my real love for it, I think, came from, for organizing came from, and just wanting to help people with that. And once I realized people would pay me for it, this happened. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I understand that so deeply. You know, this podcast is new, and it really has stemmed from – me having a really hard year this past year when we moved to Florida. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in a really dark pit of a place that we all have experienced, I think, at some point. And I realized, like you said, the more that I got rid of the clutter around me, the more I was able to kind of be back at least in a not as dark of a place, right? Like it was just yeah. very helpful. And those little hits of satisfaction too, not only is the environment healthier, but you feel like you've done something productive. Um, and that always helps pull me up too. So that's so interesting. And I've never heard of it as a teacher, like a teacher's perspective. I always think about, you know, kids and your own life, but as a teacher in the classroom, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I think, I think that's what really made me realize how important it was. You know, I mean, I, I started seeing it in some other people's houses, but you know, it's not like, it's not like you're going into so many people's houses, you know, to the point that I do now, now I see all of it, but you know, in your everyday life, you go to a friend's house here and there, you're not seeing inside their cabinets. You're not seeing inside their closets. You're not seeing how they live. Um, and so I think going into teachers, other teachers' classrooms was a bit, was kind of opening that door um, because right. teachers essentially live in their class most of the time. Oh, I know. I have a lot of teacher yeah. friends and, and it's hard yeah. too for teachers, like you said, because a lot of times they want to hold on to supplies because that's not something, that's something you guys have to spend your own money on. And right. I can totally right. see that being a pitfall. Yeah. So tell us, you know, you just said you go into, to other people's homes, but tell me more about how you started your very own business and it's thriving and you are based in Charlotte or Raleigh. 
and Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. So tell us more about Minimized. It, honestly, the way that I started, I would not recommend to other people. (laughs) I, I jumped in. I am a risk taker. I am a let's go all in and try this out kind of person. Um, And a lot of that was that back in 2016, going to 2017, I was in a long-term relationship. He was moving to Charlotte. Um, We were living in Richmond at the time. He had to move to Charlotte. And so we decided I would go with him. And my original plan was to continue teaching, even though I was really struggling. I was teaching in Title I schools. I was tired. Um, And he was the one who kind of said to me, why don't you try this? Like, just try. We're moving. Fresh start. See what you can do. Um, And so since I had that support from him, which I am forever grateful for, even though we are not together anymore, like that, that was a huge part of my life. Um, I had that support. I started building a website. I started doing research on starting a business. I joined a group of organizers online, which was a huge help for me. Um, Shout out to Inspired Organizers. Um, they, it was, it was just nice to connect with other people who were already doing this. And who, it was, it was kind of a newer thing at the time, really. There weren't many people organizing. Um, and so I started that way. And then once, once we moved here, I just started getting all my feelers out. I started meeting real estate agents. I started meeting closet designers. I started going to networking meetings. I would connect with people on Instagram, um, and started joining, you know, those sites like Thumbtack and the simple things, especially when I'm starting off, it was things that I could do for free just to put myself out there um, and then building up that content that was <laughs> that that was necessary at the beginning because people want to see what you can do they want to see the before and afters um, and I went into it with the mindset of like I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get into some people's houses and help them and if this doesn't work out I'll go substitute I'll go back teaching I'll figure it out um, but I just kept getting jobs <laughs> and so I just kept going um, and then by the time I don't know the exact date. I want to say like later in 2018. So a little, like a little over a year into it, I had someone reach out asking if I was hiring. And at that point I'd been doing it all alone. Um, And so she came on and started helping me. And at that point I was like, why have I been doing this by myself? Um, And that's why it kind of, that's where it kind of went from like a, just, just me thing to a, what felt like more of a real business, Um, bringing other, bringing other people in to, do more of the organizing. So now we have a team here who does the organizing. I have, I haven't mentioned having my daughter, but I had my daughter in 2020. And so since then I have done the administrative side. Um, I do some consults here and there, but they do the organizing now. So it's been a big shift since then. Wow. That is a huge shift. Do you, do you miss getting in the houses or were you kind of ready for a break of the grind? I miss getting in the houses a lot. Um, It was a great workout. Oh, I I'm, home all the, I'm home all the time now I like put on baby weight and I put on not organizing weight um because you know just moving things around all day oh it's, it's fun you know and like even when it's not your house you know that feeling that you get like when you reorganize a space in your house it's the same in somebody else's house like even if it's not your stuff you're just like look what I just did you know like it uh, it just feels good um, and so I do, I do miss that part of it, but I'm still doing all the behind the scenes. They're still working and sending me pictures and videos as they go. I'm still helping buy all the product for everything. Um, so I feel like I'm there, but being in a, being in a position as a single mom now, and my, right now my daughter is only in part-time childcare because I want to spend more time with her. So it's, it's just like a flexibility that I'm lucky to have. I'm glad yeah. that 
I'm glad that I started this in 2017 because I don't know what what I would be doing now if I hadn't. That's amazing. Yes. I mean, what a cool thing to be able to be flexible when you have a little kid. I'm the same way. I work part-time from home and it is a lot, but it's also such a gift. Um, So I'm curious, how did you notice a change after the 2020, like organizing becomes the thing that we all talk about because everyone's home for the pandemic, the home edit and tidying up with Marie Kondo blow up on Netflix. Did you Mm -hmm. see a huge change in your own business after those big picture? I don't know, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I think that more people were aware of it. To be honest with you, there was a, I think what happened during 2020 is people were watching the shows and they were saying, I can do this. And they were trying to do it themselves. Um, So that I think that's a big thing that happened was a lot of people were trying to DIY it. um, And then they were reaching out, we were having people reaching out being like, I have spent, (laughs) I have spent seven months trying to get this room right. It still doesn't feel right. I have all this product sitting over here. Please just come in and help me. Um, So that happened a lot was people that were just like, I I thought I could do this by myself, but I can't. And that's how I just start organizing to to a lot of people. It's like one of those things that you think you think you can do it, which some people can. I mean, you can. You can organize your own home. But it's just like it's just like you can change your own oil. You can put up your own wallpaper. But, like, do you want to? Do you, do you really want to do that? Or do you want to hire someone who knows what they're doing, you know? That's <laughs> such a good <laughs> point. That is such a great way to put it. Yeah. And I'm just imagining people in their closets. Like, they took everything out like Marie Kondo tells them to. And they're just sitting up under a pile of clothes mm-hmm. being like, what have I done? Where do I go from here? So that's awesome that you're able to step in. Um, I'm kind of curious, too. How do you approach I'm guessing over the years correct me if I'm wrong but if if you kind of just dove in which I love I'm a dive in kind of person too yeah you probably didn't have a specific strategy or approach that you take do you now have those things in place where you know exactly step one two three and four to get through organizing a space yes I think that I think that when I started I had a general idea of it just from you know working through my own spaces and working through other people's spaces but organizing is just one of those things that everyone does a little differently um you know people have their different approaches to it you have Marie Kondo who does her thing that that people try to do and then get overwhelmed um but yeah now we we definitely have a system as we go but it still doesn't always look exactly the same because people's spaces are so different um so even though the steps are the same it might not always look the same if that makes sense so like today my team is in a closet that has a lot of clothes um and so they actually started on tuesday just gathering all the clothes from around the house and sorting everything some homes we may come in and just pull the clothes out sort and that's a quick step but for some people that might take a whole day you know so while it's the same steps the whole process might look a little bit different for different people Okay. And so I'm curious, I don't know if this is like chefs that have secret recipes. Are you able to tell me what your kind of basic steps are? Or is that something you keep to yourself? Oh, no, it's as... not, it's not okay. a <laughs> no, 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 it's not a secret. Um, the first step is always just knowing what you have. I think the mistake that a lot of people make when they when they do it themselves is what product can I buy to fix this? Um, that's what they want to do first. But the first step is knowing what you have, how much you have, and that will help you get to the next step. So first, we always come in 
pull everything out, categorize, sort, and, that, and that's where it looks a little different sometimes too. You know, we love color coding and making it all pretty. Some clients are like, nah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. Um, but we do all the categorizing and then that's when we just space plan. So we do not, um, there, there, are, there are few occasions where we go and measure before and buy some products. That's more when there's not a lot of stuff in the space or we're like moving things into a space. For the most part, we always go first, go through everything before we do any measurements or space planning or figuring out what products we need because we want to know exactly what our clients have and what solutions they need. And we talk to them about how they use it. You know, how often are you wearing these types of clothes if it's in a closet or in a pantry? You know, what things are you grabbing for lunches every single day? What, what things are, are, are you not touching as much? Um, and so that kind of goes into the space planning part. That's when we go through and measure get all the measurements, get all the pictures, take notes of what they have. Um, and then it's the actually purchasing the supplies, going in and styling everything. I've seen some people that will go and like place, place product first um, into a space and be like, oh, you know, that looks nice and then put everything in. We, we don't take that approach. I think we still keep that stylized ideal in mind. But I don't, I don't like placing, I just don't like placing products first. I think you want to know, you want to know that it's going to fit everything you have <laughs> before you start trying to make it look pretty. Yes. Um, so we, we definitely keep the style in mind, but it's more of a simple, let's keep it looking a little symmetrical or things like that. Um, because that's something that I've learned through doing this. I am not a, I'm not a decorator. As you can tell by my blank walls, I just, I, I don't care for it, um, uh, but I've learned how important the physical clutter, or not, or how important not having physical clutter is, um, and that stylizing sometimes can help just bring that visual clutter down to make it feel more calm. Yeah, so you're letting the clothes and their needs do the talking and let the product follow right. that instead of creating the boundary of the product before the clothes. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm curious, you know, what it's like and what your role is when it comes to helping clients declutter, because obviously organizing is one side of it. But as you've mentioned, uh, decluttering and minimizing what you have is a huge piece of the puzzle at the beginning. So when you come into someone's space, obviously we you can't really declutter for them because they are the ones that know what they wear, what they like, what's important to them. What is your role there? How do you, I guess, help them declutter if they have to do it themselves too? That's something that's been a big learning process over seven years of doing this. Um, it's just that because especially as, as a business, we want to take so much stress off of our clients, but that, but like you said, that we can't do that we cannot let go of things without them we have that outlined in our contract we will not get rid of any of your stuff unless you specifically say we can and so they always have to be a little bit a part of that process um and i will just preface all of this too by saying that um in seven years we have only had a few clients be unhappy and it is the people that don't want to declutter um i think that some people saw the shows like home edit and not, not as much Marie Kondo, but mostly the home edit show. And think that us coming in is going to magically 
fix the clutter without getting rid of anything. Um, so that that's a huge, huge part of the process for a lot of people. What we do is we always ask clients to kind of scan over things before we get there just to save a little bit of time because I take into account that they are paying us for our time and they probably don't want to pay us to sit there and go through every single piece of, of, of clothing, which we're going to do. Um, so we always ask them to kind of do a skim through. That's kind of like their first step. And we always hope that that eliminates a little bit of the process. Then once we do the categorizing, we'll have them come in and just look at things section by section. We try to keep it small sections so we're not we're not overwhelming. You know, look at all these long sleeve shirts that we have hanging right here. You seem to have a lot of black. You know, can we can we skim through this a little bit? Um, and we do have a lot of clients now that aren't home when we're there, which is interesting. Um, what we'll do for them is depending on the amount of stuff, sometimes or if we like need to declutter that day, sometimes people take pictures and ask them to like X off what we can get rid of. We'll, we'll take that approach sometimes. Um, but usually we will go through and we have our own guidelines of things to set aside. So if things, especially in closets, if things still have tags on them, we set them aside. It might be brand new, but there's a good chance you've had that <laughs> for a while and haven't worn it. Um, so if things still have tags on them, if things are damaged in any way, if things just look like they don't match the style of their overall closet, um, so we, we have those notes where we'll pull things and give them just that to look through as homework. That makes um, sense. But they definitely have to look through everything. We, we try to make it as easy as possible to like do a scan over. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's part of the overwhelm is people just don't know where to start. So I think it's amazing that you're able at least to give them that like starting push and you've pulled it out and you can identify some things they might want, might want to look at because some people just, they know they have things they want to get rid of, but it just feels so overwhelming to start. So you, yeah. you get them and out of we, the gate. We have some clients who, who up front are like, just tell me, just tell me if I should get rid of it. Like just, just be brutally honest because some people need that. And then we have those clients who are a little bit like, mm, ha, and we, and we do that, you know, if you're, if you're humming and hawing over it, probably a no, you know, probably time right. to let go of it. This is exactly what I was going to ask too, is how do you manage the emotions that I'm sure pop up for people um, when they're trying to decide what to keep and what to get rid of? Even it could be uh, emotions about weight. It could be emotions about guilt. They still have the tag on it and they don't. They obviously haven't worn it. We've all had a dress with a tag on it in our closet, but then you can't get yourself to get rid of it because you feel like you're wasting money. How do you mm -hmm. approach these different emotions? Those are definitely the two big ones. Be just like sentimental or, or family gave it to you or something like that. That, that can always be a little hard. Um, or the wasting money. For the sentimental side of it, I am always, Something that I talk to clients about a lot is that if something means a lot to us, I think it's important to be able to see that and to appreciate it. So if, if these things mean a lot to you, but they're in a box in your attic, or they're in a box taking up space in a closet where something else could go, you know, how much is that doing for you? Um, and so that's a discussion that I have with clients a lot, but it's a process. And so we're always very flexible with our clients too. And we will say, you know, let's, these items that you're unsure about, let's bin them, put them up here, and we will check in with you in a few months. If you have not missed them, let's let us go, you know? 
Um, so, so we're not, we're not never pushing to get rid of things because it can, it can be hard and it can be emotional. And then with the money side of it, that's something that I struggle with personally too, as a single mom and a frugal person, <laughs> I, it, it's hard to let go of things when you're like, I spent good money on this. Um, and that is why I do something that a lot of other organizers don't do. And I help people, um, consign their stuff, but that is a big, big thing to take on. And I am always very straight up with clients that I am going to get rid of this for you at the best price I can. It might not be what you think it's worth because I bet what most, I bet what most people think their things are worth. It's not, it's just not. I mean, when you think about what you want to buy secondhand, you know, how much do you want to spend on it? Um, and so I always remind them like by, by letting this go, just assume it's going to consign or to, to donate, assume it's being donated, let it go. And then once I sell it, you'll get a little, Oh, I got a little money from that, you know, and to not expect much from it. Um, because I think that's a sensitive thing for some people. And, and there are people that are like, well, I want to hold on to it and sell it. And then we go back in a few months and they have a pile of things they wanted to sell that haven't moved. Don't we all, don't, don't we all do that at some point? Um, but that's when it's time to say, Hey, you know, this is taking up space in my home. I don't have the time and energy to sell this. And to, that's, that's when we talk to people about accepting a little bit less. People complain about taking things to consignment stores a lot. I'm sure you've heard people be like, oh my God, I took this big bag and they gave me $5. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a frustration a lot of people have, but I'm always reminding people, think about the time and energy you'd spend taking pictures of all these things, listing all these things, dealing with the pickups and shipping of all these things. Is it worth it? What do you want to spend your time on? Oh and my it's probably gosh. not that. Yes. It's <laughs> so not. Take, take the five dollars, take the ten dollars. You know, it's it's better than nothing. <laughs> it's a win just to get it out of your space after a while. Like I remember my husband sold his motorcycle. Uh, shortly after we got married, we we're about to have a kid, you know, and he kind of recognized this is probably not uh, my lifestyle anymore. Also, I have high anxiety. I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. There's no way I'm letting you like get on a motorcycle. I mean, it's his choice at the end of the day. But um, long story short, he got rid of it. And he had all this fancy motorcycle gear, right? The jacket and the backpack and the fancy helmets and all of it. And my husband is a maximalist by nature. He mm-hmm. will buy all of the things. I, it is a, it is a Isn't that struggle. funny how that always happens? Every couple is, uh, is opposite. There's always you rarely one, right? find people that are the same. Yeah. I know. I know. It's been a, it's been a learning curve too, like in terms of how to not disrespect him and his stuff. Cause I just want to like throw away everything. I mean, we're talking, yeah. he collects like soy sauce packets and I'm and like, yeah. would, at the beginning of our relationship would be mad if I threw out his soy sauce collection anyway. So back to the motorcycle <laughs> stuff, I understood that it was worth a lot of money and I was like, okay, you know, we'll sell it. Um, we got married. He sold the motorcycle seven years ago. <clears throat> we just sold it three states later that we've taken it with us from state to state. It was sitting either in like the garage or in the guest room. And it was, we're going to sell this. Mm-hmm. And finally we got here to Florida and I was like, we have dragged this motorcycle stuff for seven years, 8,000 miles across the United States and back. 
like from Virginia to Alaska and then Alaska to Florida. At this point, I will pay someone else to take it from me. I will pay you to come to my house and take it. Like, I don't care about the money. Clearly, we didn't need the couple hundred dollars that this was worth in order to survive the last couple, seven years. So um, anyway, we did end up selling it and he got a little money for it and like la-di-da. But I'm telling you, I get it. At some point, you realize it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk to, we, a lot of times we'll help clients right before their move. And that's something we talk about a lot too, is like, do you want to pack all of this stuff, AKA clutter on this truck, especially with a lot of these moves, you're paying for how much, how much they're, they're moving. So I'm always like, think about this, you know, is, are, are, is this worth you paying to bring it somewhere else? When you get there, are you going to want to open this <laughs> and deal with it then? Or would you rather let go of it now? And it's something I, I, I am, while I still am that person sometimes that I want to sell things, I also have learned to let go to, to an extreme. I, I am a frequent, a frequent flyer on my um, neighborhood by nothing group. I am just given and I'm like, please come take this from me. <laughs> please, please come take it away. It will be on my porch. First come, yep, first serve. Yep. Oh, man, I totally get that. And it's so fun, actually, to hear the professional side of things, because I've never hired a professional. um, And I am someone who uh, is so passionate. And obviously, I love decluttering. So there's that side of it. But I'm never getting in there with, um, with measuring tools, really, right? Like, there's so much that I'm like, Oh, this makes so much sense to have someone professional come in. It does not mean that you are like a failure and cannot manage your stuff. It's just that this is their job and it's not yours. Um, And in that same vein, in your experience, why do you think so many people are so hard on themselves, like their identity when it comes to the state of their home? Well, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think because of how much that reflects what's going on inside of you, I think that's a huge part. Um, it, it is. It, I mean, it's just it's just become part of our part of our life now. That when when you throw a birthday party for your kids, people throw in these big, elaborate, beautiful birthday parties. And when you go over to people's houses, you know they want to be nicely decorated. They want it to look perfect. They don't want to have too much stuff sitting out. Um, I, th- I think that's always been a thing that you're always worried about what people think of you. And I think it's because it's, it is a reflection of your inside. It's a reflection of what, what you're capable of, of what you look like in there, <laughs> what, what you're feeling like, how you're doing. Um, and so I think when your house is a mess, you don't want people, or you feel that it's a mess. You don't want people coming in and being like, Oh, she's not got herself together. You know, she's all over the place. She's not someone I can rely on. Um, mm that's kind of, that's how I see it because that is, that is how I feel when my, when my house is, is in disarray. And I think that it's a huge barrier to people asking for help sometimes too. Um, I had, I had my own team come in when I moved into my current house and I felt it. I, I got the experience of what our clients feel. And that was really interesting to me. It, I was like, what are they going through? What are they looking at? Are they judging what I have in here? You know, um, you're, you're always worried about what people are going to think about your, about how you take care of yourself. That's why when we go out, we try to look decent. You know, we don't want our hair to be wet in a bun. So it happens sometimes that drop off, you know, <laughs> like we don't want to look like that. And so when people see our house in this, they're kind of seeing that reflected in a different way. 
Yeah, it's very vulnerable. It's an extremely vulnerable thing. And then I would add, too, that I think we're so exposed to people's homes now on social media. I know this is like a pretty popular topic to talk about is that exposure piece now. But, you know, we see the crisp, beautiful homes and think my house should look like that. Even for me as someone who loves to declutter and I'm very fortunate to live in a beautiful house. um, Ultimately, I have three kids, five, three and two years old and a puppy and another dog, but like, she doesn't make a mess. But like the puppy even like pulls out all the toys. The kids are all asleep. And I'm like, still Mm -hmm. my house is a mess because the dog like pulls out all the play toys, you know? And I think there's a level there too of, I don't know. I absolutely agree that it's part of, you know, my house is more of a mess when I am struggling and that, but that doesn't make my feelings bad or my struggle and embarrassment. It just speaks to this uh, this lack of vulnerability in society as a whole of recognizing like, Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. If you're feeling depressed, like that's does not make you an embarrassing or bad person. You are not a bad person. If you're struggling with anxiety or if your kids are overwhelming you, my kids overwhelm me so much. And in, in a society we think, Oh, I should be able to do all the play things and help them clean up and teach them all the things and enjoy every second of it. When in reality, I am pulling out my hair, calling my husband, sobbing, please come home from work early. I can't be around these little munchkins anymore. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it all ties together of like thinking we should just have it together and we might not. And that feels a little bit embarrassing, but why is it embarrassing? Like, let's take this a step further. We shouldn't be embarrassed for being human, you know, and, um, it's it's a tough one for sure and I'm curious for someone who is overwhelmed by their home uh you know a big thing for me one of the reasons I decluttered is I want my house to be somewhere people can just stop by I don't want to panic whenever my neighbor like rings the doorbell and it's like hey like Charlotte wants to come play and I'm like oh god don't come in my house you know like I wanted it to not be stressful like that but for people who do feel that way where they don't want to have people over and it's just a mess and they don't know where to start where do you suggest they start if they're not quite ready to hire someone I think a lot of people are in that position both feeling overwhelmed and being not ready to hire someone. Um, And it's totally okay to not be ready or to ever hire someone if it's not a place that you're in. Um, But I would say my, my advice is always a little different for most people on this. You see a lot of the throw toss 10 things a day. Um, I am not a big fan of that. My reasoning behind that is that I think that if you are struggling with it and you, and you feel that overwhelm, letting go of a little bit every day and that slow process is not going to motivate you. It's not going to make you feel good. You're not going to see the change. I really, I, 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 I've told so many people this. I always say I know that it's not the ideal solution to this, but the best solution is to set aside a lot of time, a whole weekend, a couple days. If you can have your kids go hang out with a friend, with grandma, you know, um, somewhere. If you have the if you have the children, because you know they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna cause some chaos while you're trying to while you're trying to do what you gotta do. But the big transformation, getting rid of as much as you can at once, is what's going to make the biggest difference. 
and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to set up this time to do it. It's hard to physically do it. But in order to really make the change that you need, you've got to make a huge mess and you've got to have the time to deal with it. Because if you start to make that huge mess and then you're like, oh, I already, I only set aside three hours for this. <laughs> you're going to have a, a huge mess sitting around for a bit. Um, but once you, even if you just, if you pick a, a room and a room can take some hours and hours, if you pick one full room or one large closet to just go through, seeing that transformation and being like, wow, and take pictures, look back at that picture and being like, this is what I started with. This is where I am. Look at how good this makes me feel. It's motivation to do more. And that's what happens when some people do hire us just for one space, when they say, you know, I'm on a budget, but I need some help and I want to see what you can do. They, we have, we've had so many people say, I caught the bug. Like I caught the bug and I want to keep going. And that doesn't necessarily mean they keep hiring us, but they keep, they keep working on their own because they want to feel that. They want to keep feeling that through their house. But yeah, those, the one thing a day, the two things a day, the 10 things a day is just, I'm, every time I read that, I'm like, no, don't do that. I mean, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody, but it's not going to get you anywhere, you know? Right. I think that's probably better advice for people who have already decluttered, done the big stuff. Like for me, I am constantly kind of getting rid of a couple things a day and putting in the yeah, donation box or the trash. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. maintenance. That's such a good way of putting it. And it's true. Like picking one space to start, like a closet, like just set aside time to do that and then let that be the grand motivator for the next thing. I think a lot of people that I talk to, they just think the house and it's so overwhelming, but like making it into just one project at a time, but a satisfying project at a time, like do the yeah. whole closet, do the entire all the drunk junk drawers, do the whole, you know, kitchen cupboards yeah. that have a thousand different cups your kid has collected from every event that gives them a free plastic cup, right? Like <laughs> just do that cupboard. Um, so I think that's great. And, and what would you say for, for advice for people who really struggle with that? What if mindset, this is my husband to a T. So whatever you say, I'm going to send this straight to him. Um, what if I need that item again? What do you say to them? I have a personal rule for those sorts of things. And so I sort of, I talk to clients about what's comfortable for them. For me, it's, if I would need to spend over $50 to replace this, I might hold on to it for a little bit um, and see if I need it. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I try to give myself a time period, but for some people that might be $100, $200, you know? Um, if I need to spend this amount of money, to replace this will it hurt me will it will it affect my daily life you know um because i think i think that some people some people have that worry over something as small as like a little kitchen utensil that you can go get shipped from amazon the same day if you end up needing it you know so it's like do you really need this sitting in your house if you haven't used it yet or you used it a year ago. Um, and and there, there are things like that that just need a special place. I, I am all for holding on to things that you that you have used before that you see, you're like, maybe, maybe I'll use this again, but storing it purposefully, that means not taking up valuable space in your home 
um, storing it in a way that you know where it is, but it's not in your direct, <laughs> your easy access area. Um, you don't need a, I don't know, what are, there are so many, whenever I think about this, I always think about the little kitchen utensils and I don't even know what half of them are called because I don't have them. <laughs> but, but, you know, do you need them in the main drawers of your kitchen? No, no, you don't, you know, get a bin, put them up in the pantry. <laughs> when, you, when you're looking for that obscure tool, go ahead and grab it there. But I think it's just about making, making sure that you're using your easy access in your home for things that you're, that you are using all the time. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a money amount. There's also a lot of people that have multiples of things um, and think that they need multiples of things. So I like to play the game of, <laughs> I like to play the game with our clients of gathering those things, not telling them how many they have and saying, how many tape measures do you think a person needs in their home? And That's a great say, question, Erin Laco. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> maybe two in case you lose one, maybe three just for extra safety. And they're like, well, you have seven. So, so let's get rid of them, you know? Um, but letting, letting people set their own boundaries sometimes. Yes. I absolutely love that. And it's so true. Like not wading through the stuff that you rarely or never use just to get to the things you actually need. You know, I actually did that yeah. in my closet recently because there are some things that I'm not wearing currently. Um, that I'm not ready to get rid of because my weight has just been up and down since having kids. And mm -hmm. uh, there are some things that are just a little too small for me right now. Uh, but I know that I gained stress and depression weight this past year and I've been working out again and I feel pretty confident that I'm going to get back in them. They're not like five sizes too small, you know, right. like they're just a little too yeah. small, but I was wading through those every day to pick out clothes that fit me right now. And it was just a lot of guilt and shame and frustration mm -hmm. and overwhelm. And I thought, but I don't really want to get rid of these. Um, what if I fit into them again? Also that what if has a very specific, I'm, I'm working towards it, right? It's not just a what if in the future. It's something I'm actively doing. I'm actively working out. I'm actively changing my diet. Um, and, and so I took all those pieces that just don't fit right now. And Aaron's side of the closet is a little, uh, that has more space than, than mine does. And so mm -hmm. I put it in the corner of his closet. So I'm not wading through those things. And that makes sense in any room, whether it's the kitchen or your closet or whatever, well, yeah. we have to wade yeah. through things we don't use right now. It's just so overwhelming. Yeah. That's um, huge. That happens. That happens a lot in the closet too. I currently have that in my closet and I decided, even though it was hard to do, cause it was a lot of clothes that I loved, I decided to pare down to just a couple outfits because I also thought when I do get there and when I do fit back in these again, I want to reward myself. I want to reward myself with some new clothes too, not just going back into these clothes that I wore a couple years ago, you know? Yes. And being aware of what your shopping habits and your in your future self will be. So this is something, mm -hmm. uh, again, Aaron and I talk about this all the time because we're still in the process of working through a lot of our stuff. And it's not all him by any means, obviously. I just gave an example of my own closet. Um, but when he gets into that what if mindset and struggles with that, I also think of two things. I'm like, what does our life actually look like? Will we have a themed party that we're going to need this disco ball for? <laughs> Right. That's a real one right. happening in our garage right now. Yeah. Doesn't want to get rid of the disco ball and I'm not going to like force him. I'm not going to throw it out behind his back, but he's like, what if, you know? And I'm like, A, 
is that really our life now? Like, I know you had grand plans for this disco ball when we got married when you were single, but like, truly, come on. And then the second yeah. thing is, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, really just knowing who you are in the future, even when it comes to clothes. That's something I did too, was if I lose this weight in a year from now, am I going to still like these jeans? Or right. would I already mm -hmm. be buying a new pair of jeans that fits the style? Because I am I love style. So I don't mind spending a little money to stay up to date on trends or whatever. Like, is this mm -hmm. something I would still buy a year from now? If not, then I don't need to keep it right now either. And just looking to your future self and recognizing right. that you, this isn't, it's not like you're never going to buy anything again, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say that to people too. And I am going to ask you about uh, kids because I know you have a daughter and toddlers mm -hmm. and babies come with so much stuff but mm -hmm. people have asked me well what if my kid wants to use that when they get older I'm like it's not like they're never having a birthday or Christmas again if suddenly <laughs> yeah. they are yeah. really into that toy that one specific thing then Santa can just bring it on his sleigh mm -hmm. and they get a brand new mm -hmm. one because you got to think of Christmas gifts anyway but anyways you know yeah. in that realm um so for people with kids because I know that you have your how old is Monroe now she will be three in December. So she's oh. on the higher end of two. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So they are they are uh, peak insanity in the twos. I have. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, so, I'm wondering if it's the threes because it's getting worse. I don't know. I, you know, I've heard that, and I, I don't know if this is entirely true because my kids are also different. Even though I have three, I can't speak to this. But some people say yeah. that if the twos feel like you're dying, then three is going to be easier. And if twos don't feel that insane, then you probably have it coming for threes. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you handle that influx of kids stuff as somebody who lives so minimally? It's hard. It's a learning process, um, especially because. I, I mean, don't, don't we all, but I love making her happy. And I think that's a big part of why our kids end up with so many things. One, because we love seeing that joy when they get those things. And two, because a lot of people have family and friends who also love to see that joy and love to give you things for your house. Um, I, it, it, it's changed a little bit over time when she was, when she was in the younger years, younger, younger than one, she didn't, she never really had much. I was very much that mindset that like kids will play with a spoon and a water bottle over anything else. And it is so true. Um, you know, they, they want what they're not supposed to want. Um, as she's gotten older, she loves imaginative play right now. So, you know, we have the play store, we have the play kitchen, we had the, we had a play car and all these things. Um, I absolutely set boundaries for that, just like I do for any other space in my house. So with the large things, if something's going to come in, something's going to come out. And yeah, she might be upset. <laughs> she might be upset. But I have taught, I have already taught Monroe that when we let go of things, we're giving them to someone else who might not have it. And I think that teaching that, teaching that young is really important because she will go now just a couple months ago, I think we were in her bedroom and she, I was talking about how many stuffed animals she had on her bed. And my, my dad randomly sent her like a bunch of like a giraffe and a lion and like all these stuffed animals that she didn't need. Um, and I was like, you have so many. And she made a pile and she said, can we give these to another kid? Um, and so she's already not even three yet and starting to do that herself. And so I think that 
telling, teaching kids about donation really young is fair, is a huge helpful part of that. Um, because I will have discussions with her when the playroom gets a little crazy. I'll say, you know, do you have anything that you want to give to another kid that you're done with? Um, and there have been some big things like when I got, when I got her, her little play store, I decided to get rid of the play car. We kept it inside because we don't have a yard. Um, and so I was like, I can't have all of these things in my house. I let it go when she wasn't home, um, which is a tactic some people, <laughs> some people use. That, that I knew I had to. I knew that she wouldn't let me. Um, and she didn't notice for like three weeks and then was like, where's my car? And I was like, I don't know. And then she just never asked about it again. So, so sometimes you're lucky in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think that's setting boundaries. When, when something's coming in, something is going out. Toy rotation is ideal, but oh my gosh, do we have time for that? No. Um, what I do is I keep the bigger toys out. And toys with a lot of small pieces are in bags or in small bins up in a closet. And she has to ask for them. So if it's a puzzle, if it's, you know, Anything that has a lot of pieces, she has to ask for it. We get it out. She has to put it back in the bin or the bag before, before we get another one out. Like, I just can't handle, <laughs> I cannot handle the mess beyond that. There's always going to be a mess with kids, um, but you have to set limits in some way. And that's the way, that's the way that I do it so far. Oh, that's such good advice. I I think I'm going to adopt that because we don't have a whole lot of toys, but the ones we do have have a lot of pieces because, you know, those are great for their imaginative play and for Mm -hmm. their fine motor skills and all that. So we have magnetiles, we have Duplos, and we have a wooden train set. Those are the three we have. And they have access to them. And it is the worst to clean up the playroom when they've like dumped all the toys out. And it's not a bad thing. I, I tell my kids a mess is a good sign. I say, what does a mess mean? And they say, it means we had fun, you know? So like, I don't ever want to yeah. like make them upset about it, but I'm wondering if it does just make more sense to not have them in reach. And if they ask for it, great, you can play with it. And then we don't have all of them out at the same time with a thousand pieces to pick up. That's yeah. really great advice. Yeah. And that, oh, that also helps you know when, when to get rid of things, you know, especially with the younger ones, when they, when they may not agree to do it, when you notice they haven't asked for something in a while, it makes it a lot easier to do so. When, when they're Ooh. having that. Ooh, that's such a good point. Okay, I, I want to ask you a thousand questions, but for the sake of respecting your time, <laughs> uh, we will close up with two questions that I ask everybody. Um, the first is, in your own life, what is something physical or otherwise? I mean, anything you can think of that you want to pare down or are currently paring down to just make simpler, figure out the root of it, anything like that? Well, this one is a little... Cause I, I go through things very regularly, you know, I was going to say books was something that I had an issue with recently. Um, that I just had a lot because I love physical books and I love to read them again. Um, so that is something that I collect a lot of, but I recently went through and was like, let's be realistic. <laughs> let's be realistic. How many of these am I going to read again? I, an audiobook won't hurt me. Um, but but I think I think the biggest thing actually for me right now, which is a little funny, is because I I tell people not to do this. Oh, this is embarrassing. I tell people not to buy products, but but a lot of it is because I have moved. Um, I live in a I live in a rental and I moved from an apartment, and so a lot of the products that I had at my old apartment came here and like didn't quite fit in places. So I have a storage shed um, 
where I park. <laughs> and there's so many, there's just products. There's just products in there um, that I don't use and that I don't need. And that is something that I need to let go of because that is something that for me, I'm like, well, what if I find a way to use this? You know, I just love organizing products. Oh, man, I feel that. We finally, we kind of stopped decanting things for a couple different reasons, but I still have these, like, beautiful, you know, bins where you can pour things out, and I'm having a hard time getting rid of them, even though they're not mm-hmm. working for our family right now, because I'm like, what if, you know, I get that. Yeah. Um, and what is something, this can be as fun or as deep as you want, what is something that you look forward to in your life right now? It can be a book, an event, a holiday experience, I mean, just anything you're looking forward to. That one is easy because... I used to go on cruises with my family all the time. I have been on nine cruises in my life. We started taking a break after 2020, obviously, but my daughter has not been on one. And so I'm taking her on a cruise for her third birthday and it's coming up so soon. So that's an easy one that I'm very much looking forward to. I made the mistake of telling her about it. And so every day, can we have my birthday on the boat? (laughs) Yes, yes, we can, but not yet. Um, but yeah, I am, I am very much looking forward to it. And my mom and dad are coming, which they originally were not. It was just going to be me and her, but now they're coming. We have adjoining rooms. Oh, I'm going to get a little break too, <laughs> along, yes. along with the Happy birthday, birthday to you. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. great. What a great clutter-free gift. There you go. Experience yes, it. I'm all about experience. it. Well, Maitland, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast and it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. And I, again, thank you so much. Thank you. You just listened to an episode of Paring Down with me, Shannon Laco. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean the world if you can leave a review wherever you listen and share this episode with a friend. Those reviews really are what keeps a podcast on its feet for the long haul. And I will read every single one with a huge smile on my face. So thank you ahead of time. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Paring Down Podcast, where I offer lots of tips and inspiration for paring down, along with what's new here on the podcast. Till next time.